Oh, tremendous. I was actually kind of hoping you would sing that song, Brother Calvin. Thank you for that, man. That was wonderful. And uh, I would just say this. If you've never been to Israel, you need to sign up with Brother Al, Brother Brett, and go on one of these trips. Uh, honestly, I know, I don't think there's any room, I don't think there's any room next year. I know you have a waiting list. Uh, but one of these years, 25, uh, get signed up and go. And I promise you, uh, what Brother Calvin just talked about, um, that's, that's, that's the spot, you know, where you just feel it the most and, and, and you sing. And, and that, that was a highlight that in December when you, when you sang that song. And so it was good to, it was good today. It was better. It was better in December just because of where we were. Um, and so appreciate that. Uh, would you uh, be in prayer with me today for my good friend, Matt Goins? Uh, Matt and Delita are dear friends of ours. Uh, they're missionaries to Honduras. Uh, I had the opportunity uh, earlier this week to preach the, uh, uh, the pastor's conference at Pensacola Christian College called the Enrichment Conference. And when I was there on Tuesday, uh, I got a phone call from the president and I said, how you doing? He said, I'm not doing well. I said, what's going on? He said, we just had one of our young men killed. Uh, and uh, he was weed whacking uh, out on the, one of the properties of the church. And a drunk driver uh, swerved off the road and right into the yard. And, and he was instantly killed. And I, I didn't know who it was. And about 15 minutes later, I learned that he was the son of that missionary. And a, a missionary I know very well. I knew the boy very well. He was my host when I preached uh, at their conference down in Honduras. Great young kid, 19 years of age. And so he was killed on Tuesday. Uh, I had the opportunity to speak to the student body there at Pensacola on Thursday morning. It was the first chapel service after it happened. And I preached a, a simple message on uh, life is a vapor. We talked about John eleven thirty five. 35. Uh, Lazarus died as a young man. And Jesus wept, not because he had died, but because he, he knew that people were misunderstanding him. And, and Jesus knew what he would do. Uh, Jesus always makes it right. And, uh, but, but he feels our pain. I talked about the first man who ever died in the Bible. And that was Abel, a young man who died under tragic circumstances. And yet, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that he, being dead, yet speaketh. And so in that chapel service, uh, we probably had 4,500 young people in that service. And I said, you know, Jaden may have more influence for the gospel in one event at age 19 than many have in a lifetime. Because he being dead, yet speaketh. We had uh, some, some young people saved that day, many of them uh, that just got right with the Lord. Uh, some were called to ministry. And so... Uh, aren't you glad that tragedy in the will of God is never in vain? Never in vain. You know, God uses even the most tragic circumstances in the life of a believer for his good and for, for our good and for his glory. And so would you be praying for Matt today? Uh, he's doing his, his son's funeral service today. So we, uh, I spent some time with him Thursday night because he had flown into Florida. And so into the wee hours of the morning, 
uh, we prayed together and read some scripture together. And he, he, he felt that God was wanting him to do that service. But you can only imagine. So that'll be as you're driving home today uh, as a group, maybe, maybe even today, one of you in your car, one of you in your van right now, just remember uh, to be praying. As you're driving home, the funeral will, will take place. And maybe you could just even stop as a carload and, and pray for the Goins family today. Uh, and they're praying specifically that people would be saved. Uh, they're praying that they, they know there's purpose in this, uh, but, but it's going to be a difficult day, no doubt. So thank you in, in advance for uh, praying for them. I do want you to open your Bible to Matthew 21 today. Matthew chapter 21. You're going to hear a, a great message from Brother Jared in just a bit. And you're going to have an opportunity to make some, some great decisions uh, in this conference. And I'm a big fan of, of calling people uh, to a place of decision. A big fan of that. I don't think we do that enough. Uh, I, I think sometimes we share information, but we don't call people to decision. And understand that when we love the Lord with all of our heart, the heart is the mind. And certainly the Bible ought to inform our mind. And our Bible preaching ought to be saturated with, with uh, careful exposition. What does the Bible say? That's important. But, you know, the heart is more than just the mind. It's the mind and it's the emotions. And there ought to be some, emotions aren't a bad thing. They ought to be subservient to our mind, but, but we shouldn't be led by them. But, but there's nothing wrong with feeling uh, the, the passion and, and, and the urge uh, to serve the Lord. It's not wrong to cry, laugh, to, to, to shout amen. There's not wrong, nothing wrong with that. And we ought to love God e- emotion, with our emotions as well. But then it's the mind, it's the emotions, and it's the will. So when you think about the heart, it's the, it's the, it's the mind and will and emotions. And the will is your decision. What, what will I do? You know, what, what, what decision will I make? And decisions themselves don't constitute actions. We know that. But that's where actions begin. Decisions are the seeds. They're the first small baby step of an action. And my hope in this service and these services, we talked a little bit last night, and you'll hear a final message here in just an hour or two. My hope is that you'll kind of take all of what you're learning, all of what you're hearing, and many of you could do a much better job than I could do. You've been serving God faithfully for, for many years, but, but, but maybe some things I've said have reminded you of things that you studied, have reminded you of things that you already know. And what I would say is let's all of us, like every guy in this room, let's all of us just, just kind of decide to decide, choose to choose. And that's what I want to talk to you about uh, for a few minutes. I want to talk to you about uh, your response to choosing to choose. We just, we, we, we live in an era where people are just so laissez-faire and we, we gather information and we do nothing with it. And so I'm going to encourage you today, before you leave this conference, to make a concrete, now listen, a concrete, actionable decision. A concrete, actionable decision. What I mean by actionable is, what will I do with this? What does this mean? I talked to the young men. They, by the way, uh, dads, pastors, be very proud of your young men. What a great job they did listening and participating. Honestly, just a super job. And I appreciate these young men. 
Uh, Canada has a bright future. If I, I look at some of these young men, the decisions they made today, great. But, but I told them today, you know, we talk about things like Bible reading. We talk about things like the value of Scripture. But when it comes down to it, what will you do with that today? Right? We can all believe in this ethereal principle that the Bible is important. But what does that mean today? And I just encourage these guys, listen, if you're just starting out, just read a chapter of Scripture. Ask the Lord to open your eyes. Ask the Lord to give you one verse that you can meditate on. If that's where it begins. Now, that shouldn't be where it ends, but I'm talking about making actionable decisions. You're there in Matthew chapter 21. I want to read you a little parable that Jesus taught really to some critics, to some people that didn't realize that they needed this parable, but desperately needed it. Uh, Some people that were actually criticizing and calling into question the authority of Jesus. And in response to that, Jesus gives them a little story. Look at verse number 28, Matthew chapter 21. This is one of four parables that Jesus teaches on the Monday, listen, on the Monday before he dies that later that week, depending on what day you believe crucifixion day is. But Monday, this is the Monday. So yesterday, he has just entered Jerusalem. Yesterday, he's just walked down the Palm Sunday road. Yesterday, he has cleansed the temple for a second time in his public ministry. Now today, he's facing this opposition. He's teaching in the temple, and they're calling into question, who who gave you the authority to do this? And Jesus is teaching them and helping them to see. And look at what it says in verse number 28. He says, "But, but what think ye? If we were to say this today, he'd say, hey, I want you to think about this. Okay? Give me your thoughts on the following story. And here's what he says. A certain man had two sons. Is it, is it, isn't it interesting that how often Jesus would tell stories in the Bible that involved a father and a son? And that's something I think, I think Jesus probably knew a little bit about a father-son relationship, don't you think? And so a father had two sons, much like that story in Luke 15, Right? A certain man had two sons. We talked about the prodigal son. We talked about the elder brother. So here, a man, he has two sons. And watch what he says to his son. And he came to the first, probably the older, and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. Now, I think that our father says that to us. We're the sons of God. I think our father says, metaphorically to you and me, go work today in my vineyard. And, we, and, and I think that's why you're here at this conference, because you want to be a better worker in the vineyard of God. We understand that there's a harvest field. We understand that there's a, and Paul would often use the metaphor of we're like, we're like farmers. We're like husbandmen, and we have work to do. And uh, he used the language of a plant. I, I plant. And Apollos, he waters, and, and God does his work, and, and he gives the increase. So, so this, this metaphor is used throughout the Bible. So the father says, go work today in my vineyard. Now, there's nothing hard to understand about that simple command. But, but watch the, the answer that this young man gives, verse number 29. He answered and said, I will not. Now, uh, teen guys, I, I, want, I want to do a little case study on this. Okay, so 
The next time your dad gives you a simple command, I just want you to look at him and say, I will not. And just see how that works out for you, okay? Just, just Just see how that turns out for you. So this young man looks at his dad audaciously and says, I will not. And, and, and watch, though, what happens. But, but afterward, that's my favorite word in the entire parable, that word afterward. But afterward, he repented. Remember, repentance, metunoeo, is, is, it's a word that means to, to have a change of mind. But always, always true repentance results in a change of action. Okay, so it's a change of mind. That's what it is by definition. A repentance is not work. Okay, but it always leads to a work. Just like faith. Faith is not work. But true faith will always manifest itself in works. We do not believe in a salvation that is faith plus works. But we do believe in a salvation that is a faith that works. See the difference? And so afterward, he repented. And the Bible says, and went. Well, that's a good story. Now, better, better would it have been for him to say, yes, sir. Better would it have been for him to say, I will, and then do it. But, but if you had to have a second best, the second best would be, no, uh, I feel bad, yes. But now watch what happens in verse number 30. And he came to the second and said, likewise. So he's, he said the exact same thing. Son, go work today in my vineyard. He said the same thing to both sons. Why? Because we serve an impartial God. We serve a God that expects each one of us to work in his vineyard. Whether you're a pastor, whether you're a new Christian, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, regardless of your gift or your background or your nationality, God expects for all of us to work in his vineyard. So what he says to the first, he says to the second. But the the difference is in the response. See, God's will is, is primarily and generally the same for all of us. It's not to say that there aren't nuances of differences because of your circumstances. But God's will is that all be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's will that you would serve him with all of your life. It's God's will that you would work in his vineyard. And so the general will of God is the same for all of us. But the response to the will of God is vastly different. So look at what it says in verse number 30. So he came to the second and said, likewise, and he, that second one, he answered and said, I go, sir. Well, that's more like it. We would say today, yes, sir. When my boys were uh, just, uh, just small, we, we taught them when mom says something, you say, yes, ma'am. When, when dad tells you to do something, you say, yes, sir. And we just taught our kids early on. And by the way, if any adult authority tells you, you say, yes, ma'am, or you say, yes, sir. We don't say, yeah. We don't even just say, yes. We say, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir. And again, I, I, I'm not saying that, that it is, you have to do it that way. That's what we taught our kids. And so th- this young man in Matthew 21, uh, go work today, son, go work today in my vineyard. I go, sir. I mean, essentially, he's saying, yes, sir. So ostensibly, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. But then watch the rest of the verse. So I I go, sir, but he went not. He said he would. He respectfully said he would, but then he didn't. Now, here's the big question, because Jesus said, I want you to think about this. 
And, and we read the passage, and you've thought about it. You've thought about it. So I'm going to ask the question that Jesus asked, and I guarantee you there's not one person in this room will, that will get the answer wrong. There's not one person. Even if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're going to get the answer right. I promise you. Look at the question. Verse number 31. Whether of them twain, so we would say today, which of these two? Whether of them twain did the will of his father. Now stop reading. So which one did the will of God? Which one did the will of the father? The first one or the second one? Okay, so let's, let's do I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay? So the first one is the one that said no, but then he did. The second one is the one that said yes, but then he didn't. Okay, so... Uh, either say one or two. Those are the only two options. You, you can't have none of the above, and everyone has to participate, okay? Now I want you to use your words, okay? So either say one or two, okay? So which one did the will of the Father? One, two, three. One. What an intelligent audience. <laughs> you know, and, and listen, Wayne and Mondo, I am so proud of you two. Because if there were two guys in this room that I thought would have said two, I thought you guys just, just to be funny would have said it. But you also said one. That's wonderful. Stop, stop, Wayne. No, Wayne, Wayne, stop. 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 No, I don't want to hear it. Listen, I, if I wanted to hear from two guys like you, I'll watch the Muppet Show, okay? They got the answer right, too. Look, look at verse number 31. They, they, all of them, just like you, all of you, they, they say unto him the first. Every one of Jesus' critics got the answer right. But Jesus is not done with this parable. He's not done with it. Look at it. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans, oh, they hated them. And the harlots, oh, that's the lowest of the low to them, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John, he had asked them a question about the ministry of John and his authority. And now he's giving them the answer. John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, Repented not afterward. See the word? Afterward, that ye might believe him. Wow, what, what a teaching. So who are the first sons in the story? The publicans and the harlots. Who have violated the word of God, but afterward are following God. And who are the second ones? They are the religious Pharisees. Who have always agreed with the word of God, ostensibly, but they don't do it. They dress like they do. They act like they do. They talk like they do. They learn how to put on the mask and play the game, and they learn the language. They walk around with the pomp and circumstance of religiosity, but they don't really follow God. Well, now, all of a sudden, this is becoming a little bit more convicting, isn't it? So there's a first response. Now watch this, guys. There's a second response, but then there's a third response. And the third response was their response. So for the sake of my short message, and I'll, I'll be done like literally in, in less than 15 minutes, fewer than 15 minutes. I want to talk about the first response, 
I want to talk about the second response, and then I want to talk about your response. Because every single one of you and me will have made a response to this by the time the message is over. All right? So let's talk about the first response. Son, go work today in my vineyard. Son, go work today in my vineyard. Let, let, me, let me say four things about this. First of all, there's, there, there's a relationship. Son, son, go work today in my vineyard. There's a relationship. So God comes to you by virtue of relationship. A father has the prerogative to ask a son to do things that he doesn't ask others to do. I had responsibilities and standards for my boys that I didn't have for other boys. My kids would say things like, but dad, you know, the, the Smith family, they allow their cat. You're not Smiths, you're Skellies. Okay? You're my son. So there were responsibilities that I had for my sons that I didn't have for other people. And so with our father, he comes to us by virtue of our relationship. And so there, there's authority that the father has because we are the sons of God. But there's also, there ought to also be affection. There ought to be a natural desire on the part of a son to please a father. I, I delight to do thy will, O God. Well, I do always those things that please thee. Isn't that what Jesus said? If you've, seen, uh, if you've seen the son, you've seen the father. I want to be just like him. So there ought to be that. So when this father comes to the son, he comes by way of relationship. But then I think, secondly, he comes in the way of responsibility. So, son, go to work. Son, but there needs to be a little bit more of that, by the way. Son, go to work today in my vineyard. Go work today in my vineyard. So there is a relationship, and then there is a responsibility that he gives. And when we think about responsibility, we think about obedience. And obedience is really not a matter of, uh, it, it, obedience is not a matter of intention. It's a matter of action, Right? So obedience is not a matter of intention. It's not what you say you will do. It's what you actually do. So we learn that obedience is a matter of, of, of action, not intention. We learn that obedience is a matter of now, not later. Right? Obedience, go work when? Today. And the only day you have to serve God is today. And don't tell me about tomorrow. Don't tell me what you're going to do. Because I've heard a thousand times, and all we do is kick that can down the road until one day there is no more road. And we were always going to. We were always going to. We were always going to. But we never did. So obedience is a matter of now, not later. Obedience is a matter of, uh, of uh, action, not intention. And then I, I would say, lastly, obedience is a matter of stewardship, not ownership. Go work today. Watch this, guys. Go work today in my vineyard. Well, I'll tell you what. At my church, it's not your church. You know, I'll tell you, with my people, they're not your people. You know, you own nothing. Moreover, is required in stewards that a man be counted faithful. No, this is God's church. He's building it. I'm a steward. I must do it his way and for his glory. That's it. And so, son, uh, by the way, they're not your kids. Well, it's my family. I'll do it my way. No, it's God's family. And he's graciously allowed you to steward it for his glory and his good. So, so do it his way. Son, that's relationship. Go work today in my vineyard. That's responsibility. I will not. That's rebellion. Rebellion is a matter of the heart. Rebellion is a matter of the will. 
Sometimes people do the wrong thing, but they don't do it rebelliously. It's still sinful. The Bible calls that ignorant sin. But when you do things that you know to do, that when you don't do things that you know to do that are right, and when you do things that you know to do are wrong, and you do it with your eyes open, that's what the Bible calls presumptuous sin. That's rebellious. That's what the Bible calls a high hand. You're saying God in your face. That's what the Bible says, despising the word of God. It's analogous to taking the Bible and just jumping on it and stomping on it and tearing its pages out. If I were to do that uh, from this pulpit today, just start tearing pages out of the word of God, I would expect for some of you men to come up and stop me. Why? Because you don't do that to the word of God. And yet we do that to the word of God. Anytime we sin presumptuously. So there was relationship. There was responsibility. There was rebellion. I said in my notes, sometimes the far country is a place we go. Sometimes the far country is an attitude we have. Sure. This was not a matter of the head. This kid knew what to do. This was not a matter of the hands. He wasn't physically disabled. It wasn't that he could not fulfill the task of working in the vineyard. No, he could do it. It wasn't a matter of the head. It wasn't a matter of the hands. Rebellion is always a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. I will not know. It's that hard neck. It's that stubborn heart. So relationship, responsibility, rebellion, but then I like this, repentance. He repented. But afterward, afterward he went. And here's my favorite word in the whole parable. Afterward he went. You know what afterward is? Afterward is often the way that we hear. Because sometimes you hear a message and sometimes somebody, uh, some good friend confronts you about a sin and in the moment you're like, you're stung by it. We know what happens sometimes, Brother Jared? Afterward. Afterward, you know, the Holy Spirit's working. You're like, man, I shouldn't have said that. I should, I should, I should have done that. He, you know what? He was right. And aren't you glad that God gives us afterward? Because if God wanted to zap us in the moment of rebellion, none of us would be here. So, so after, afterward is often the way we hear. Afterward is what gives us hope. Because there's a space of grace. Now, we shouldn't take advantage of that, but the fact is, we've all taken advantage of the afterward component of the Christian life. We all have. So I love afterward. Afterward gives me hope. Afterward's the way I hear. But watch this. Afterward makes it hard. So I want you to think about this. So, son, go work today in my vineyard. No, I'm not going to do it. But afterward, how long afterward? Was it an hour? Was it two hours? If you, have you, how many of you ever worked a farm? Okay, that's about the hardest work there is. Well, if you're working farm work and you have a, a 10 hours of work and you delay three hours and you're going to do 10 hours and seven hours, guess what? It's harder. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 15, 13 that the way of transgressors is hard. It's not impossible. But boy, when we delay to do the will of God, when we say no at first and we have to make up for lost time, it is harder. It is harder. It's harder when you don't rear your kids right. And now it's, they're 10 and 11 and 12 years of age and you're seeing rebellion. All of a sudden you want help. It's harder. It's not impossible. God's grace is there, but it's hard. So, man, early will I seek thee. Early. I, I seek now thy creator in the days of thy youth, right? Before those hard times come. So that's response number one, okay? Now, response number two. Look at verse number 
What's that next verse? Verse number 30. And it came to the second. And said, likewise. He answered and said, I go, sir, and what not. So, so real quickly, the second son's response was respectful. It was respectful. I go, sir. It was right. What's the right answer? The right answer is yes. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. That, that ought to be all of our answers. Hey, when the Lord says jump, we ought to say how high. And that ought to be all of our answer, to say yes to the Lord. And so when the Lord, the Father, came and said, hey, go work today in my vineyard, this man respectfully and rightly said, I will, I go, sir. That's great. It was respectful. It was right. It was rebellious. It was respectful. It was right. It was rebellion. And there is no rebellion that as it is as insidious as compliant rebellion. Who was rebellious to that father, the prodigal son or the elder son? Well, they both were. But only one ever saw it. Who was rebellious to God? The publicans, harlots, or the Pharisees? Well, they all were. But one group never saw it. I think sometimes we are living in rebellion and we don't see it. Sometimes we don't see ourselves because we hide behind our positional, we hide behind our creed. We hide behind our, 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 our dress or our language. And we pride ourselves in all the things we don't do. All the places we don't go. All the things we disassociate from. Is there a place for that? Of course. But understand, separation's importance is not primarily in what we're separated from. Separation's importance is a matter of what we're separated unto. And I can be separate from evil, but not anywhere close to God. The word Pharisee means separated one. When the Apostle Paul said in Romans, I'm separated unto the gospel of God, Romans 1 and verse 1, that's the word for Pharisee. Paul said, I'm still a Pharisee. I'm just the right kind of Pharisee. I used to be the one separated from, but now I'm the one separated unto the gospel of God. And that necessitates new behavior too, doesn't it? And so it was respectful, it was right, but it was rebellious. Rebellion hiding in religion has found a great hiding place. Rebellion that hides in a youth group or on a deacon board has found a great hiding place. Rebellion that finds itself hiding behind a pulpit has found an excellent hiding place. And sometimes we are those second responders. All right, so here's the third one. We talked about the first response. I will not, but then he did. We talked about, talked about the second response. Yeah, I, I won't, I, I will, but, but then he doesn't. And now let's look at our response. 
Look at verse number 31. So which of them? Whether of, the, of them twain. Which one did the will of his father? We all got it right. The first one did. The first one did. Watch this. The answer was right, but the application was wrong. They all saw it. And honestly, they all, they all kind of saw that Jesus was talking about them. Because in our heart of hearts, we know when it's about us. Remember when the lawyer came and said, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, what do you think? I think you ought to love God and love your neighbors yourself. He said, yep, yeah, you can do that. You got it. Because no one can do that. He was asking about what you can do. He was asking about works religion. Jesus said, there it is. Fulfill that, you fulfill the law. And the man said, well, well, who's my neighbor? Oh, let me tell you the story about this guy that, you know, the Samaritan. And so who's the neighbor? The guy says, uh, I suppose the one that showed mercy. He got it right. He got the answer right, but he didn't get the application right. He got it right, but he got it wrong. Remember Simon the Pharisee? Jesus goes to Simon the Pharisee's house, and the woman's there. Simon the Pharisee, well, if he knew what kind of woman she was, he wouldn't let her wipe his feet with her hair and her tears. And Jesus said, let me tell you a story, Simon. What about this guy that has a big debt, gets it forgiven, and this other guy has a small debt, gets it forgiven? Which guy's going to love more? He got the answer right. I guess the one that was forgiven more. Oh. oh. Let me tell you something about independent fundamental Baptists. Okay, we'll tell on ourselves. We're good at getting the answer right. We're good at getting the answer right. But they missed the application. Look now in closing. Look now in closing. Look at the end of the chapter. Matthew 21. Look at verse number 45. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, well, one of the ones we just talked about was one of the four parables they had heard. Okay, so the message is over. That's what this verse is saying. So when the message was over, the Bible says, they perceived that he spake of them. Well, that's good. So the message is over, and they knew, oh, oh, he was preaching to me. And a lot of times in fundamental churches, we don't preach to people in the room. We talk about all the things that aren't in the room. I'll tell you what, them homosexuals and those trans people. It's like, who are you talking to? Everyone in the room agrees with you. You don't have to talk about the things that aren't in the room. Why don't you talk about things that are in the room? You know what I'm talking about? So they knew that Jesus was talking to them. That's a good thing. But here's the bad thing. Verse number 46, but when they saw to lay hands on him, their point was not, but when they came to the altar or when they repented, when they got right. No, you don't read that. You know, they wanted to get rid of him. Now, they didn't because they were afraid of the people, but they did not respond. They knew, but they didn't do. They knew they were willing to just stay in their religious pomposity. And not get tender and right with God in the secret place. And I'm going to ask you, when Brother Jared shares his heart in a few moments and preaches the word, as I know he will, and the altar call is given, would you please think about not the first response? And don't even think about the second response. I want you to think about your response.
Father, thank you for these men. Thank you, Lord, for their friendship. Thank you, Lord, for so many faces around the room of men. I know their faithfulness to you, their, their heart for, for the things of God. New friends that I've made. Oh, God, I pray that in these moments you would just give us a tender, malleable, pliable, serviceable heart. Oh, God, may our response glorify you. May our repentance be sincere. Bless this morning. Please give safety on the road. Be with Matt today as he preaches his boy's funeral. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.